Hello and welcome to Milkshake Monday, a production by Fordos, and I'm Anita Helm. Tonight we are going to be in episode 223. 2023, you're going to be dedicated or stagnant. It's your choice. Now, as we prepare, this is the week leading into New Year's for 2023. Many people start talking about New Year's resolutions and that kind of thing. So I wanted to give something as an encouragement and also a word of caution for those who may think they could just rest on our laurels and let everybody else in the kingdom do the work. So tonight we're not going to have that many scriptures, but we are going to have some time of a conversation. Now, as you start to approach the new year, it's a time for you to reflect on things that are past that are going to inform the future. And that's what this is going to be about. We're going to use the Bible for us to actually see what kind of choices are we going to make for 2023? I'm not going to talk about what you weigh or what your goals and ambitions are going to be for your secular or things that are in the temporary. I'm talking tonight about spiritual things that have eternal consequences. So in tonight's Milkshake Monday, we're going to do a quick odyssey for that purpose. And I'm going to talk most about the dedicated part. And I was going to entitle this, are you dedicated for elevation? And you're going to understand what I mean. Now think about that in a positive sense. We have the greatest example of Jesus Christ who said it is finished. When he got up on the cross for our salvation, he finished. And for things that God has started in your life, I don't care if you're 15 or you're 115, whatever God has actually started in your life, it's his purpose to finish for your destiny. And the thing that he's given us as the greatest example is Christ Jesus, who finished the course that he was sent to do by his father. And this year coming, as you're preparing for the new year, if the Lord's will for you to see it, I'm asking for you to ask God what it is, is his purpose for your year 2023. If the Lord sees fit for you to see it, for that you to be able to finish whatever he started. If he gives you only a few days in the 2023, ask him every day as you wake up and thank him for that life, that breath of life. After you praise him to say, Lord, I want to fulfill the destiny. I want to finish the destiny. That's something when it comes to, if you want to be dedicated to elevation. Another thing we always say, be weary, not in well-doing, but are you doing well for the Lord? Are you doing anything for the Lord? This is me warming you up. Okay. Before we get into the teaching, are you actually doing anything for the Lord? We say, be weary, be no weary, not in well-doing, but some of us aren't even doing anything. But in 2023, it's time for us to stop sitting on the sidelines and to get get to the work. I was going to say get busy, but I don't want you to get busy for busy sake because that's what a lot of people in the house of worship have been doing. We have programs after programs to raise money or whatever these traditions that we have. But I'm praying to God that in 2023, we will do the work of what Christ says to do and to be not weary in well-doing of what we do for him. Another thing we always say is press toward the mark of the high calling. But pressing means there's some activity, there's some action, there's some resistance even. But are you actually pressing toward the mark? Because guess what? The mark that God has you on may not be a cakewalk. And it requires you to press because it's not easy. But the thing about it is the Holy Spirit is there with you. This is all me just prepping you for something. We said even last week in a teaching, be of good courage because I've overcome the world. 
God requires courage because things that are ahead of you may not be easy. Maybe things that are intimidating to you, but God is trying to tell you it's not about what you can do. It's what he can do through you. And it's important for us to understand that we're going to have to have the courage in Christ. We're going to have to understand that the Lord does fight our battles, but understand that there's an enemy. The world does not want to see the things of God progress and they're going to push back on you. But that's why God says, be of good courage because he has overcome and overcome means that there's something that you have to overcome. And that's the enemy of Satan. Now, this last point that I want to say as I'm prepping you, you know, the first few minutes, people kind of listen to say, I'm going to pay attention. I'm going to go to the next thing. But this one here at the end of your journey in this temporary, this is a temporary vessel we're all working in and it's going to go back to the dust. Ultimately, I, and I hope you as Christian believers want to hear the father say to us, well done, thy good and faithful servant. That is an objective. And even as you're looking toward 2023, if the Lord, and I keep saying if, because we don't know what God's plans are for our tomorrow. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. Some of us sitting here now in 2022 may not have it that we'll be in 2023. But the reality is whatever we have as the days, the minutes, the moments that we have left in this journey, we want to be found faithful. And when God sees us, face to face, as only he can once we're not in this body and we're in our glorified body, we want him to say, well done. So here is going to be an example tonight where we're going to talk about dedication to elevation because this topic tonight is about progressiveness and a purpose-driven existence for 2023. I don't really, it's not so important of your age, whatever abilities or disabilities you have, what color you have, what income level, where you live, what continent you're living on. If you believe that Jesus Christ is your Lord and savior, there is the divine destiny that God has purposed for you before you were in your mother's womb and has been known by the Lord from eternity to eternity. And it's just a matter now of you to get focused and serious and start to progress toward the mark your mark. Only you were designed for this specific mark of your life for God's divine plan. So tonight we're going to focus on an example because I try to use some of the same examples over and over again, because over time you'll start to know some of the scriptures and it'll come back to your memory some of these stories. So tonight we're going to be in first Samuel chapter 16. And because I'm kind of going to talk all around it, I want you to just think about the whole chapter, but we'll actually be starting from the purpose-driven life of David. And I'm going to tell you some things about David before I go into the scripture, but we're going to be in first Samuel 16, but I'm going to tell you some things about David. We all know that he was referenced as King David, but the reality is, is he didn't start out as a King. And some of you, where you are in your life, you can't see what God wants to elevate you. And I'm not talking about your position. I'm not talking about your money, temporary treasures. I'm talking about elevating you to where you are in your position now to where he wants you to get to regarding the destiny of what he wants you to do or say, or people you want, he wants you to meet for the kingdom's sake, for people to know Jesus Christ because of him putting you in this earth. And wherever you are and whatever you're doing and whatever stage of your life or season of your life in the early parts of your life, in the elderly parts of your life, God has a reason for you still being here. 
And that is for somebody in your sphere of influence, in your path, that's going to hear you speak about Jesus. And you may be the difference between them going to hell or for them spending eternity in the presence of God. So David, we know him as King David, but as you will understand, the first point about this that I want you to understand that this man, David, that we always hear, he was a man after God's own heart. After means he went after it. There was something in his progressive, his purpose-driven life that had him go after. He was a man after God's own heart. There was a striving. There was a purpose. He was pressing toward. But guess what? His destiny was known to God before he knew it, before the prophet Samuel knew it, before his daddy knew it, before his brothers knew it before anybody in the legacy of, of, of who David was to become knew it. That's the same thing when it comes to you who are in the sound of my voice. You think you understand all that you've done from the point of your birth until this very point now, but God understands. He knows exactly what he wanted and what he wants you to do until you take your last breath and he calls you home in 2023. If the Lord allows you, Every day, ask him, God, am I doing your purpose? Am I achieving what you have called and designed and fashioned me to do for your kingdom? David didn't know it when it came to 1 Samuel 16, and he was going to be anointed as the one. Nobody in his path understood what his purpose was going to be. But guess what? We're going to see that he was dedicated until elevation. Now, the second point about David that I want you to understand that he was in one position before he was elevated to another. We always talk about him being a shepherd boy, a boy that took care of intended flocks and sheep. He couldn't see when he was out there with hearing the, the bleeding of the sheep. He wasn't going to understand one day he was going to be called king. But while he was found in that one position, he was faithful. Some of you, as you look to 2022 coming to a close, you have to ask yourself in your spirit, in your inner man, talking to God, God, am I faithful for what position you've given me now as a wife, as a teacher, as a Sunday school leader, as a church, you know, somebody that's a doorkeeper, as somebody who's leading in cleaning up after the children's nursery, all the places and, and positions that you may be in, are you being found faithful? Because David started as a as a young man tending sheep and was elevated by God almighty to be king in the lineage of Christ. The third point is David without any help from his father or his brother was found in the field with those sheep, having to ward off, protect the livestock against all kinds of enemies in the wild. He tells us in his testimony, I had to fend off, a lion and a bear. He didn't have daddy and brothers out there with him. He was there and he had to trust God as he came across all of these different, they were animals that were ready to kill other animals, but guess what? He was the shepherd that was supposed to protect them and he didn't have anybody out there with him doing it. They knew what he was called to do to be out there, but you see in the, even the testimony as we'll read in first Samuel 16, the brothers were out there with daddy. 
The brothers were out there with Samuel. That young man of David was out there by himself and whatever different enemies that were coming to get those sheep, he was out there alone. But look also at number four. Look at the weaponry that David was having to use to protect the sheep and himself. He didn't have an AK-47. He didn't have a pistol. He didn't have a cannon. He had, what did he have? A slingshot and rocks. So he had gotten used to knowing that he wasn't depending on artillery. He was actually believing in God and what he was able to do through God. Even if it came to animals, that if any of you all had the opportunity to be in the midst of a bear or a lion out there by yourself, having to save or protect animals, it's no fun job to even think about it. There's a level of bravery you have to have. But guess what? When you come before your enemies, these ravenous things that Satan may put in your path, as you do the work of Christ, as you're fending for the sheep of telling people about salvation and your testimony, you have to trust in God and trust that you may not have everybody having your back, but you got to trust that God has your back and God is going to give you the weapon. And guess what the weapon is? The sword of the spirit, the word of God in your heart, in your mind. That is what God has is your back, his word, his word which became flesh, his word, which is a two-edged sword, his word, which will never return void. The fifth point, before we go to scripture, David guarded and did his work as a shepherd without an audience. He didn't have a camera watching everything he did to see whether he was slouching, was he sleeping? He had a dedication to the work that he had to do. He had to guard those sheep because that was part of his daddy's and his family's livelihood. And while he was out there, he did it to the best of the abilities that God gave him. Now, when we're out doing the work of the ministry, wherever God has us in the position he has us, are we doing it in a dedication? Are we working as unto the Lord? Are we doing it without having the fanfare of people saying, Hey, pat you on the back and you're doing a great job. Or you're doing it because you're doing it as unto the Lord. David wasn't doing it to be showy because guess what? The other brothers probably had done it in their past and they thought, Hey, he's just doing the same thing as we always did. But he had a certain level that they didn't have because guess what? God looked at seven brothers before him and he refused them all. There was something in this young man that he saw in the midst of his birth to the time that he was already being a tender of the flock. And he entrusted David above and beyond the others, because what you will see as he speaks, he doesn't look as man looks at the outward appearance and the stature. He looks at the heart. And there was something about David and the trust that he had to God and the faithfulness to the task that he could trust David to be the one that he was going to anoint king. He had to elevate him because he was dedicated. Something in his heart showed a dedication that he could take him to the elevation, not because he wanted to be puffed up because David was out in the field taking care of flocks. He wasn't thinking about an elevation. He was thinking about, I got to do the work of being the protector of these sheep. I got to take care of whatever daddy's entrusted me to do. And that was his natural father. And guess what? His natural father didn't think enough of him that when Samuel came and wanted to have the consecration of the animal for them to sit down and have a meal, he didn't think enough to say, let me call my, 
youngest son in so he can come and meet the prophet. He can come and have the opportunity to be blessed by this priest who's coming here and be at the meal. No, he left him out there. And that's why you got to be careful relying on your family members. When you're doing things for the Lord, you can't expect your family members to put you in a position to be blessed and elevated because it's not their place. It's the Lord who elevates. It's the Lord who promotes, not us. We need to be found faithful. Now, I want to tell you all something too. In number six, David fended off enemies. He tells Saul later on about this. But his brothers probably heard these stories. Daddy probably heard these stories about fending off the bear or fending off the lion and taking care of the sheep. But guess what? Even after they heard these stories, they still didn't think much of them. They didn't even think. I mean, all that he may have done wasn't enough for them to think of him in a, in a light that they would think he was worthy. Don't look for your worthiness. Don't be people pleasers. Here's the last point before I go to the scriptures. I want you to understand this because as you think about 2023 and you look at your life, you know, every first Sunday we have communion and we're supposed to do a self-examination, but I want you to really get before the Lord in your time with him and do a self-examination for the upcoming year, because we have to get serious about the things of the Lord. Don't make decisions based on your flesh. Don't make decisions based on what you think other people will please with you. Be pleased with you. It's not about the other people. It's about what does the Lord want for you? If he sees fit to allow you to see 2023, he's not asking you to do the same old, same old, because there's something in why he, he brought you into this earth that he wants done. And every day we should ask him, am I doing it? Are you pleased with me, Lord? Now, I want you to see something in the seventh and last point before we go to the scriptures. David was young. He was in development. He, sometimes I think we, we see the little cartoons we used to see in Sunday school as a little boy. But in the scripture we're going to see, they are going to call him a man. They're not going to say a little boy. They're going to say a man. Because when we used to see him against Goliath, he always looked like this little 12-year-old, 10-year-old boy. And maybe that was because he looked so small with the Goliath, but they referred to him as a man. So this was a young man and he was young as in development. But guess what? Here's a point that I was convicted about. David was not one-dimensional. David knew an instrument. Some of us say, oh, I just got to learn the word of God and that's all I need to know. David found that he was a learner of not just how to tend the flock, but he also learned a musical instrument. And guess what? There are things in your life that you have gifts and talents for that maybe people will say, why do you need that? You don't need that for your ministry. You do not know what the Lord will use in your dedicated efforts for doing the work that he's given to you and actually perfecting the gifts that he's given to you, that he will use that gift to elevate you, to put you in the right position, because you're going to see in a moment that because of his ability to play skillfully an instrument, which has nothing maybe you think to do with tending flock. You don't know why he was out in the field and he didn't play that instrument to buy the time to keep the sheep calm. You don't know, or to make the animals run away because they're scared. You don't know why or how unfolded. Cause all we knew that he had an ability to play that harp skillfully. 
And the Lord used that very thing that people could say, why does a shepherd need? Why does a farmer need to know how to play the harp? Why do we even need to know how to speak another language? Why do we need how, need to know how to do these different gifts? Because we do not know what the Lord will use in the gift to take us from one position to the elevation he wants us to have. There are things that I have loved to do all of my life since my youth. I did not have an idea that God would utilize many of them for the service of the Lord, for the service of his manservant, for the service of people that I have not, I never even knew I'd meet. But when the time came, God was bringing back all of those things that people would say, why does she need to know that? Why does she need to know how to sing? Why does she need how to do songs? Why does she need to know how to do this? God just gave it in my heart. And I said, well, I'm going to learn it. I'm going to do more. And it convicted me tonight. I got on that piano and I played 20 minutes while I had this gap between teaching. I said, because that, that thing about being skillful on the harp, I don't know one day when I may need to learn how to, or have to do a better plan than I do now. So that being said, I wanted that to be the preface. So now we're going into the scripture in first Samuel 16, seven, it says, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance. This is the brothers that he's going to reject or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Now, I want to show you in 1 Samuel 16, verses 11 through 12, in the NIV and the actual New King, New King James Version, the description of David, because I want you to see those two versions of the description of David that we get in that first passage, but the description that we get later about David is more full and more comprehensive to what God is planning to use. And the thing about us, people will say, oh, that's Pam. Oh, that's Alice. Oh, that's Mary and Horace. They'll say things about you, but then somebody else will come back and describe you totally different because the people in your inner circle, the people that may just have a thumbnail of who you are, don't understand the magnitude of the depth of what God knows is in you and what God is about to use in you for the elevation based on him knowing how dedicated you've been for his work and his ministry. So look what they describe David. And you've heard this description many times. It says here, so he asked Jesse, are these all your, all the sons you have? Jesse replies, there is still the youngest. So he references him as the youngest. Jesse answered, he's tending the sheep. That's his first position that we know of. Samuel said, send for him and we will not sit down until he arrives. Now, here we come with this description of David and we're just at the NIV and we'll switch over to the New King James. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. That's kind of shallow, don't you think? When people look at you and all they can see is your hair, your face, your body type, your features, that's kind of shallow. But look at what it says in New King James, the same kind of shallow, but then I'm going to show you a different description of David. Uh, in New King, and it says, then the Lord said in NIV, I'm finishing, rise and anoint him. This is the one. In New King James Version, I'm just going to go to verse 12. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy. We always heard that word ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him for this is the one. Now we're going to go to first Samuel 16 verses 17 through 23 in the new King James, because here is a need about Saul, who's the spirit has left him and he's going to be distressed by this evil spirit. We're going to see that 
they have an idea of how to give some comfort to Saul and it's going to involve an instrument. But I want you to hear in the scripture that somebody is going to have heard or seen David play this instrument so skillfully and be in the right position at the palace to say, I know of somebody he's this, this, and this, but I want you to see, they know he's tending the flock. They know he's a shepherd but they're going to start telling about his resume in ways that that first passage doesn't talk about. And there's going to be some people that may start talking about you in a different way than superficial because they've seen your heart. They've heard the word, they've heard the wisdom. And just like the acts discusses about Peter and, and the people of God that they have been with Christ. And when people listen to you and, and not look to stupidity and, and chatter and gossip that you may have out of your mouth, they listen to you talk about the word of God. They have a testimony of who they see you in, in the depths of your spirit. So here in verse 17 of first Samuel 16, it says, so Saul said to his servants, provide me now a man, didn't say a little boy, a man who can play well and bring him to me. If he was half hearted and not dedicated in what he was doing in that craft, he would have been playing crappy, but he's been known to play skillfully and well. You don't just bring anybody to the king. You bring the people that can represent. Verse 18. Then one of the servants that's in the right place at the right time, who's seen David, so God orchestrates all kinds of things that people may say your name out loud. Then one of the servants answered and said, look, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing now that's one description. He's a son. He knows who he is. He knows who he's attached to in his family. He's skillful in playing. That's one attribute. A mighty man of valor. That wasn't described in that other discussion of his handsomeness, features, and his bright eyes and readiness. A mighty man of valor? A man of war? We've got war, valor, and a skillful player of an instrument. It says prudent in speech. Where was that in the first description? Now you understand what God can say about you. You're the one. You're the one I have need of for what I need for my son, Jesus Christ. Other people around you may only see the shallow things that they're going to talk about, but God is seeing what substance of your days. He knows how he's fashioned you. He knows why he had you go through certain circumstances in your life, why you went through some good times and some bad times. And he understands that is for your development. And it says this boy, this is talking about a man, prudent in speech and a handsome person. The handsome person is the last thing they got to talk about. But here's the thing that is the crux of why you need to understand. Are you going to be a dedicated servant of the most high God in 2023? Or are you going to be stagnant and just waste and be apathetic and slothful? It says, and the Lord is with him. In 2022, as you close this chapter, make sure that you go into 2023, the Lord be with you. And he's going to orchestrate some things as you're dedicated for his service, for his ministry, for his purpose, for why you're here. He's got some work for you to do because he's been pouring into you. And even though there are things that have hurt you, things that you didn't understand, it's for the benefit of the kingdom. Now this says in the next verse, therefore Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, send me your son, David, who is with the sheep. 
Even Saul, King Saul, knew what position he was in. Y'all know anything about sheep? There's outsiders, there's funk, there's animals. He said, I know where he is. He didn't need the daddy come back saying, you sure you don't want my other seven sons? Because David is tending the flock. He put all that. I know your son, David, the one that's tending the sheep. He's sending to the daddy. And here's what he's going to say. And Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread, a skin of wine and a young goat and sent them by his son, David, to Saul. So David came to Saul and stood before him. And he loved him greatly and he became his armor bearer. When God promotes you and elevates you, not for your own self, you know, your selfish ambition, you want to be a this and a that, you want to be seen. It's not about that. David wasn't even thinking any kind of elevation. He was tending the flock. He was learning his instrument. He was doing his thing that he had to do, which he was assigned. He wasn't looking to say, oh, I'm going to be elevated for this, that, and the other. But he was presented before the king. And the king loved him so much that he made him his armor bearer. And it says, then Saul sent to Jesse, sent back to the daddy, didn't have time to even know about him. Please let David stand before me, for he has found favor in my sight. And so it was whenever the spirit from God was upon Saul that David would take a harp and play it with his hand. Then Saul would become refreshed and well, and the distressing spirit would depart from him. This is all before. Now, I want y'all to understand something. He has one position. He's elevated as the armor bearer. But this is all before he has the battle with Goliath. This is all before he is being chased for his life for Saul. This is all before the Bathsheba. This is all before the tragedy of his children. This is all before he's done the counting of the census, has to do, you know, be repentant of that. It's all before the detours in his life, the devastation of his life, the transition of his life where he goes from Solomon to his death. All this stuff is before, but it required him to be dedicated to elevation. And as you go into 2023, you, every season of your life have to be found faithful over the few things before God will elevate you. Now I can't go into everything because of time, because I did use a lot of time, but I want to show you the contrast. I, I, if you have an opportunity, read first Chronicles uh, 28 and 29, because I wanted you to see the actual prayer of praise that David does before he, you know, he anoints his son Solomon to be the king and he dies. So y'all read that on your time. Cause I want to do this last part about stagnation. People understand my voice will say, I started Belkshake Monday for the youth. I wanted them to hear the Bible in a way that was just conversational. And I'm, I'm thankful to God that all different age groups and cultures and, and people all around the world are listening. Praise God. But there are those who don't have time. I look at my statistics on YouTube for who's listening. I see what's going on on Facebook and people give me like two minutes and they're gone. And that's their choice. But here's the thing about the second half of this teaching, which won't be a half at all. It'll only be 10 minutes. Dedicated to elevation is one for those who want to grow and be in ministry. The part about stagnation is what I want you to understand that the magnitude of being apathetic, lazy, slothful, don't care, don't give a damn. I'm using words that y'all can hear. Stagnation is funky. Stab stagnation is you can't grow with things that are stagnant. Stagnant water doesn't help flowers. It, it makes things putrefied and stinky. I'm going to give you an example of Lot. We always hear about Lot. 
And the reason why I want to talk about Lot is because it's going to show you in the example that I'm going to uh, talk about of Genesis 19 is that stagnation shows no growth. It shows that you can just kind of rest on your laurels, be around sin, being compliant, being complacent. And the consequences is you can, you can lose your home. You can lose things in your life, whether it's your children, your son-in-law, your wife, your houses, your position, you, you just lose, lose, lose. And Lot, you know, we never hear in this story when, when God told Abram at that time, leave your country, leave your home in your country. And it says Lot was with him. Abraham wasn't blessed until Lot separated. And I've already taught about that, but Lot chose where he went, Sodom and Gomorrah. And guess what? The depravity that was at Sodom and Gomorrah just didn't start happening when Lot got there, but Lot got there and he stayed and he kept his family there. And he, he was there for years to the point that he had children who got married, had son-in-laws. He had a house. He was recognized. He was at the gate. When those angels came down, they found him at the gate and they came and immediately he realized who they were. And he says, oh, you can't stay here. You got to come to my house. Come on, let me feed you. Come on to my house. Because he knew what depravity was there. And he knew if those angels stayed there, that there was some ugliness coming. And he wanted them to come in the house. Now, look at how I'm going to read this. I can't read it all. But let's start at, at uh, Genesis 19. Now, the two angels came to Sodom in the evening. And Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. And when Lot saw them, he rose to meet them and he bowed himself in his face toward the ground. And he said to them, listen what he says. Here now, my lords, please turn into your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you may rise early, go on your way. He wanted them gone. He didn't want them to stay around. He wanted them to come at night and get on out of there. Go your way. And they said, no. That's not our purpose. It already has reached the nostrils of God. God has heard the outcry of the evilness. He's seen enough. No, but we will spend the night in the open square. But he insisted strongly. So they turned into him and entered his house. Then he made them a feast and baked unleavened bread and they ate. Now, before they lay down, the men of the city. Now, y'all know the story. The men wanted to come have sex with these two angels. Now, because I can't read it all. I want y'all, when the men came, it's first five, I jumped and they called to Lot. They knocked on the door and they called to Lot and said to him, where are the men who came tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them carnally. Let's have sex with them. They wanted to gang rape these two men, which weren't men, they were angels. So Lot went out to them through the doorway, shut the door behind them and said, please my brethren. These are the brothers. He's brothers because he's been in the town. He knows them. He may not know them all, but he knows them. You in a town, you know, and he says, do not do so wickedly. So he knew what they were about. See, now I have two daughters. I've already taught this before. You have to find it. He was willing to have these men rape, gang rape, molest, whatever they were going to do to his two daughters who were virgins. But look what he says here. He says, basically, you can have the two daughters who have not known a man, men, Please let me bring them out to you and you may do to them as you wish. Only do nothing to these men since this is the reason he knew what depravity was going on in that location. But he says, this is the reason I brought him in the house. So y'all wouldn't get at him that they wouldn't see what's going on in this city. So they wouldn't know what I've gotten comfortable with. So they wouldn't really do anything because I've been stagnating. I've been just festering and, and just seeing what's going on. But look what the kind of he's been play adding. 
He's been play acting, you know, he says, you, they come back at him and say, you try to be our judge. You try to do this, but you know, they don't want to have it. Why did he stay? Why did he stay in that environment? But look at this. It says, since this is a reason they have come under the shadow of my roof. And they said, stand back. Then they said, this one came talking about lot. You came here, you came here and you stayed here basically, but you've been trying to be a judge, but they're not having it. Cause you just, you know, we know you okay with what we've been doing. It says here, stand back. Then they said, this one came in to stay here and he keeps acting, acting. People stagnating are acting. Oh, I love God, but oh, I'm willing to do that. Come on, pass me this. Come on, let's do this. But acting as a judge, now we will deal worse with you than with them. When they said that they were going to turn on them, and that's what happens when evil people who don't know Christ, you think that you all buddy, buddy, they'll turn on you because guess what? You ain't walking in the the word and the power of God. You walking in your compliance and complacency and oh, that's okay. It's okay. We all kicking it together. And then you use this stupidity stuff to say, you know, I'm just here to give a testimony. Really? Come on now. Now it says when they started doing that, I want you to understand that the angels grabbed them. I can't read this whole scripture, but go read Genesis 19. Now here's where I want you to jump. They say the angels ask, ask lot. You have any other family? Cause you need to get them. Cause we get ready. We're going to destroy this place. As you start to see the passages unfold, when you're stagnant, apathetic, slothful, ignorant of the word of God, acting like you are, you play acting about church because it's all about the building. It's not about the relationship with Christ. When people hear you and you think that you're telling them serious things, they think you're joking because they've seen your testimony. They've seen that you've been play acting. They see that you ain't serious. You talk a big game in front of, but in reality, behind the scenes, you know what you do. And so when his son-in-laws hear him say, we got to go. Now they think he's joking. Now, if you've been serious, you have people in your life that are serious. When they come to say, we got some serious thing. God is about to judge. They would know your contents of your character. They would know how you are. They would know you have a, a look of sincerity that's always there when it comes to God. You don't play God. You don't play games with God. But here, these son-in-laws, the, the son-in-laws to his daughters, I don't know if the daughters got up or it was this son-in-law talking, but they didn't take them seriously. They went on back to bed and they got destroyed. When you have a stagnant, ignorant, apathetic, slothful relationship with God, the magnitude of that will cause you to see things in your life die and get destroyed. Here it says here, I'm going to go to verse, uh, uh, that site for verse 14. So Lot went out and spoke to his son-in-laws who had married his daughters, plural, and said, get up, get out of this place for the Lord will destroy this city. But to his son-in-laws, he seemed to be joking. When the morning dawned, the angel urged Lot to hurry. Lot still didn't want to get out of there. He was still having to be forced. He had to get out, but he was just taking his time because he was comfortable. He wanted to just kick back and kind of hope it was going to blow up. And it says here, it says here, they wanted him to hurry saying, arise, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be consumed in the punishment of the system and of the city. And while he lingered, 
Stagnation, you linger and you stink to the point of death. And God is pushing you, do right, get out of that situation. Make a change. Let this 2023 be different. Stop acting foolish. Stop thinking there is no God. Stop not going to worship. Stop not tithing. Stop not reading the word. Stop not praying. Stop not teaching your children about the things of God. Stop lingering in this world because it's going to hell in a handbasket. It says, as he lingered, the man took hold of his hand, his wife's hand and the hand of his two daughters. They grabbed them because they're lingering in the stagnation of complacency. The Lord being merciful to him. Because if God lets some of us stay in this state, we're going straight to hell and so are our families. But God is merciful. It says the Lord being merciful to him and they brought him out and set him outside the city. So it came to pass when they had brought them outside that look at what Lot is saying in this passage. I can't read it all because of time. He doesn't want to go up to the mountains. Because God was going to destroy all those cities. But he said, no, don't let me go up to the mountains. Something could happen to me. That's basically his death. Something can happen to me. Now, God has just protected him from destroying a city and had the angels get him safely. He doesn't think that God can get him up to the mountains safely. He said, no, no, let me go to this city. That's not too bad. It's small enough. It's small enough. And they call the city Zor. And they decide they won't destroy that because of him. And they're going to wait until he gets there safely before they actually start to destroy him. But look what happens here. He goes, let's go in verse 18. Then Lot said to them, please know my Lords. Indeed, now your servant has found favor in your sight and you have increased your mercy, which you have shown me by saving my life. But I cannot escape to the mountains, lest some evil overtake me and I die. See, now the city is near enough to flee to, and it is a little one. Please let me escape there. It's, it's, it's not, it's just a little one and my soul shall live. And he said to And he said to him, see, I have favored you concerning this thing also, and that I will not overthrow this city for which you have spoken. Hurry, escape there, for I cannot do anything until you arrive there. Did you see the orders God has given him? The, The purpose was to save Lot and his family. Remember, he had just told Abraham what was going to happen. And Abraham said, if it's five, it's ten, you know, the whole number countdown. So they were trying to save Lot, who didn't seem to be wanting really, but wanted to linger. But he was not. The order of the angel was, I can't destroy it till I get you out safely. But here we go. I cannot do anything until you arrive there. Therefore, the name of this city was called Zoar. The sun had risen upon the earth when Lot entered Zoar. Then the Lord rained brimstone and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. So he overthrew those cities, all the plain, all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. But, and if you had read the other passage, it said, don't turn around. Don't, you know, y'all know the the gist of the scripture, right? But his wife in her stagnation, in her complacency, in her compliance, in her uh, longing for that city, longing for her daughters that were still behind to be killed and the son-in-laws and the love, probably there were some kids, them grandkids, whatever's going on, the life, her friends, all the people she knew, her life in her stagnation. She looked back behind him and she became a pillar of salt. Stagnation leads to the stench of death. It leads to displacement. It leads to you losing what you think is valuable to you because ultimately your life in your eternity is the most valued thing you should be looking to. And as you look into the year 2000, 
23, you have to understand the choice of being dedicated for service for Christ is going to allow you to have an elevation for your purpose and for your destiny. And for those who are in stagnation, the magnitude of apathy and stagnation only leads to death. Now, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Yes, that is true. David, even though he was a man after God's own heart, I'm going to read Psalm 51 at the end, because whether you are in the place where you believe that you're dedicated or you feel that you're stagnation, I want you to hear the word of God that is written from David after he has made all kinds of mistakes like we all do, because God is waiting for those of us who know him to ask for repentance, to ask to come and cleanse us and to make a change for a new year for us to get even better in our relationship with Christ and for us to do the work of Christ. But I don't want you to think, Oh, I've messed up. I'm this, I'm that. All of us have, all of us have sinned. All of us got all kinds of dirt in our closets, but God has forgiven us. And for those who don't feel that they have the ability, you can't clean yourself up. You can't get yourself right. So 2023, make a declaration that you're going to hear some of these words from your heart in the name of Jesus. I pray that. So I'm going to read Psalm 51 and then I'll end this. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts. And in the hidden part, you will make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, the God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth shall show forth your praise for you do not desire sacrifice or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. <sighs> These, O oh God, you will not despise. Do good in your good pleasure design. Build the walls of Jerusalem. Then you shall be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offering and whole burnt offering. Then they shall offer bulls on your altar. We're not perfect. None of us. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we understand the wages of sin and death. But Christ loved you and I and came for our salvation. 
And I pray that in the year that's coming, Lord willing, that all of us who have the ability to see it, that we have a prayer of Psalm 51 every day, but we also have a dedicated spirit to do the work of Christ. That's my prayer for all of you and all of myself included, that we are being found faithful to do the work of Christ. Lord willing, if I am blessed to see this new year, I will see you next week because the harvest is ripe and plenteous, saints, but the labors are few. I pray that God will allow all of us who he's fashioned for this new year coming to be more dedicated in the service for his son. Lord willing, I will see you next year. God bless you.